it costs much more money in the long run if you push a product that fails versus taking your time and launching a product that has a stronger chance to succeed. Welcome to Sense Sliced Bread. I'm your host, Charlotte Atchley, editor of Baking and Snack. In season seven, we're diving into innovation and new product development. You'll hear from baking and snack companies that are constantly innovating and the lessons they've learned along the way. This season of Sense Sliced Bread is sponsored by ADM. ADM is your edge for innovative baking solutions, including Harvest Edge flours and baking mixes. In today's episode, I'm talking to Richard Charpentier, CEO and founder of Baking Innovation and consultant to baking companies big and small looking to scale up their new products. He brings his wealth of experience in the baking industry to this conversation as we dive into best practices and common pitfalls of product development. Welcome to Scent Slice Bread, Richard. Hello, Charlotte. Good afternoon and welcome and thank you for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure. So why is innovation so important for baking companies? Well, innovation has always been at the core of growth for any bakery brands and why it's important i'll give you an example you know i love this example to go back to 1928 which was a disruptive innovation for the bakery industry was when sliced bread was first introduced i know it's difficult to think that something as simple as sliced bread is not even 100 years old but just to see a simple innovation as sliced bread, within five years of sliced bread being launched, 80% of breads being sold in the U.S. were sliced. So it showed a massive, massive impact on the industry. And, And I do believe that, you know, innovation is the continuation for bakeries and bakers to keep on thinking of what's coming next and how I can disrupt to recreate something new within the segment of bread baking. So through your business at Baking Innovation, you help um, bakers kind of um, with their new product development and their innovation across the bakery baking industry spectrum. What are some best practices um, bakers should employ when approaching new product development? Yes. Uh, in terms of the best practices, as you know, when I used to be a senior uh, director working for the industry, one of the most you know, uh, important things is to always start with good, solid research. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is crucial that in product development, you know, to understand the uh, scientific methodology uh, of, of product development. And what I mean by that, you know, to me, it's like the four pillar, the four important things that product development needs to do in terms of practices. One, as you know, briefly mentioned, uh, sound research, meaning mm-hmm. it's very crucial for all of the team to be fully aligned with all cross-functional teams. And, and what I mean by that is, do we, you know, what's the strategy? What are we making? You know, is this a time to market product where we need to be very fast? Is this 
a low-cost product we're trying to match? Is this a highest quality? And the first important bucket is this one, a, a segment is where, where, what are we doing and how we're going to do it? The second thing in terms of great practice is do we have the right resources to go after that and to be realistic? What's the timeline to develop a product of that magnitude? And if we say, you know, a, a manufacturer will like to uh, create the next best chocolate cake within their own manufacturing facilities and their own processes, how does that take, you know, do, do the, as part of the second portion, where, what kind of ingredients can we use? What is the cost of the ingredients we're going to use? Are we limiting ourselves? Can we still sell at the price that we're targeting? Because it's sort of the first thing in the term of the sound research is do we, do we know the cost target and what we want to sell it to? And then the first practice that I always like to do as in charge of R&D was, okay, let's figure out how this product that everybody loves when you first develop the first lab prototypes and you show it to marketing, how can we make it repeatable and consistent? Because it's a crucial aspect of product development. And once you get done with that segment, the fourth segment and important segments is shelf life validate the shelf life of your product over time. And I understand that sometimes, you know, we are pressed by time, uh, but, you know, cutting it, you know, or accelerating the shelf life, especially if it's a new innovative product, it is crucial to test it within the at ambient uh, and at different conditions to ensure that the product is ready to go on market. Oh, definitely. And I can imagine that third piece of like making sure it can scale up because you can make the most beautiful, innovative, cool bakery product on the bench. But if it's not scalable and not consistent, it's just not going to it's just not going to work. That's correct. For our listeners anyway. So what are some common pitfalls bakers can run into when developing a new product? As a consultant today and working with different customers and as an experienced bakery consultant, you know, some of the common pitfalls I've experienced with my customers is having, trying to launch too fast. Mm-hmm. And what, I'm, what I mean by launching too fast is, and we all fall within the same you know, I- issue where we have a customer or somebody saying, hey, we'd like to have a, a, a product like a, a bread that's going to resemble that bread. And most manufacturers will say, hey, I have the line, I have the product. They run a product through and they're thinking it's good enough. Mm-hmm. I'm always worried in terms of the pitfall is what happens once you package a product and put it out? What happens when you put a product in a trailer in the summertime when it's 120 degrees? Yeah. What happens to your product when you package it too warm? It's not spending enough time and do the proper testing and validating to ensure your product will be good. Uh, and and as another big pitfall, it's which falls in through shelf life issues is not looking at the science, thinking I can make the bread. I have no issues making the bread, but I always tell my customers, I said, are you checking your water activity? Are you checking your pH? Are you taking your TTA? Mm-hmm. And can you create consistency? 
And do you have a program in place to ensure it within your manufacturing facility to ensure the consistency and shelf life, which to me, as any launch of developing a new product, it's to be able to have the right proper structure and program to support the launch. Sounds like it would be really important to have a robust food science team behind your new product development to make sure all of this is getting done properly. Yes, and 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 that's that's a portion, you know, what what I'm mentioning in terms of the pitfall and what the bakeries need to do. It's very important to have the staff or the support from either a consulting group or internally to understand what to do and how to prevent the long-term issue because it costs much more money in the long run if you push a product that fails versus taking your time and launching a product that has a stronger chance to succeed. So what does a robust product development program look like in your mind? What are kind of the hallmarks of a robust product development process? A great, a great hallmark or great product development program, uh, it's, it's, it's for me is first and foremost is great communication. Mm-hmm. As as mentioned earlier, and I say, to be fully aligned within all cross-functional teams, uh, is it would be how I always like to have my program, you know, started up where everybody understand what's going on because <laughs> there's nothing worse than you know, uh, uh, people working on a project or having a, a, a VP of sales talking to someone within the R&D team and saying, hey, can you make me a, a, a product? And, uh, and, and the VP of R&D not being aware of the other things being worked on. So it's, it's us- utilizing great communication, utilizing the time of the team and the resources properly because, mm-hmm. you know, speed, uh, speed to market innovation comes from great communication. Uh, another, another point, uh, having a strong diversified team, it's quite important. And by what I mean by that is having, you know, if you're a company that's looking for, you know, selling in food service, so maybe it's important to have a, a, a strong, uh, employee with culinary strength to be able to give that different approach, uh, to have. A, a scientific approach do you have how many scientists do you have on your staff and and most uh, uh, most important is you know for everybody to think freely and creative you know with creative spirits uh, but in order to do the, to do the points I'm bringing up uh, it's very important to have a creative environment that fosters that creative spirit and uh, I used to work at uh, in pa- my past at uh, ConAgra, and ConAgra as a large company, it was in Omaha in their innovation uh, building. Uh, they used to have a room that was dedicated, an open room, with coffee and couches and TV and and a very relaxing, inviting room. But the goal of the room was to bring all of the people from the different backgrounds to collaborate and come in a place where we're not really working, but we're allowing ourselves to discuss. Uh, and, and it goes back to the first point of creative uh, communication and great communication within all the groups uh, uh, with, within the team to accelerate 
uh, innovation. I'm curious. Um, I know that you have a lot of background working at larger um, baking companies, but I am curious if a smaller baking company wanted to improve their product development program, what are some of the most critical, like they might not have the big investment budget that say ConAgra Brands has, what would you say would be non-negotiable that they needed to really prioritize to make sure their product development program is um, going to be successful? Well, but from, and I'm speaking from example and what I tell, because I do work with you know, large CPG brands and small startup businesses. One of the most essential uh, uh, thing that I will recommend for smaller manufacturer is understand how, what you're making and understand how you create consistency. And mm-hmm. uh, in order to do it well in the bakery industry, we tend to think, Hey, we're making a bread. Our breasts look fantastic. We can put it out. But what happens when you push a product and you don't have all the resources uh, and and once it's being stored under a light on the shelf or it's being transported differently or it's being frozen, your product and your product, uh, the reality of your product will vary. So I always say say invest in in the minimum. Try to do some quality control checks. Uh, Try to measure your pH and your TTA. And if they say, oh, we do it, we do it you know, once, once a day. And I would say, try to do it three times or four times a day as you, as you're manufacturing, try to implement some practices, some good manufacturing practices that will ensure the product consistency over time. Because as we all know, you know, in order, especially if you spend all the time to create an innovative product and you put it on the market and as a consumer, I'm buying it and I'm happy with it. The second time I buy it, the experience is different. We as consumers, and we all are consumers, you will say, hey, you know what, I'm, I don't like it anymore, and you'll switch to another product, another brand. So if you're small enough, it's, and it starts also with understanding the quality of the ingredients you're bringing in. Are you ingredients consistent? Are you, do you have somebody checking and ensuring that you're getting the same product? Because in the bakery field, we are using raw ingredients like flour and flour is an ingredient that varies from year to year uh, and and versus you know being just saying okay i get my flour i get my yeast i get my ingredients and i don't have to do anything else uh, i push people to just build programs around how can you create to ensure that you're creating and repeating that innovation you work hard to deliver and what can you do around it and there's plenty of simple things that could be done, and as mentioned, you know, I would the first thing I would do probably is say, build a build an inline specification for your product, and on ensuring, okay, you know, what are the critical points of your products where it could change, uh, and ensure that that's what you monitor. Because I understand, you know, resources and time is of the issue, but there are small things that could be done, such as the thing I just mentioned. This episode of Scent Slice Bread is brought to you by ADM. Introducing ADM's Harvest Edge Gold Certified Sustainable Flowers. ADM's certified sustainable products are traceable from farm to flower and help you innovate sustainably. Harvest Edge connects you to the harvest via grower relationships, ingredients sourced from nature, 
and a commitment to sustainability that gives you an edge. So how does the approach to innovation change, whether it's like a simple line extension to like add new flavors versus something that's truly inventive, like a brand new product portfolio? For it, it, it varies based on what you're trying to, to do. So for, for example, just everybody knows Twinkie. Right. I worked on Twinkies in, in the past. It's a fantastic product and has been around for a long time. So, uh, and, and if you were to say, okay, we're doing a, a new flavor Twinkie, how do, you, how do you work that out from a product development standpoint? Uh, if I were to do that, I would strictly work with marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would work with operation. It's very short. I would ensure to go to do a plan test just to monitor, to make sure, okay, there's no issues. Is there any, is this an allergen? Is it a clean over? I would do a checklist, run my product through, validate my shelf life. You know, if it's a 30, 60 day, 90 days, validate the shelf life to make sure the mm-hmm. flavor profile does not change over time because it's important. It's all about R&D is all about time and, and validation. Right. And that's a simple, quick approach. If on the other hand, I'm trying to, it's not a flavor, it's not a, 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 a just an extension of renovation. I have to create something really innovative. And if in the case we're using a Twinkie, uh, I'll make it up. We have to make a, a, a Twinkie made with specialty grains on the outside and coated with caramel on the top. And that's a brand new innovative product that they want to launch. Right. Uh, in order to do that, it will take much more time. Uh, mm. uh, once you get something very inventive and you have to ask from an R&D standpoint, do we run it with the same current equipment? Mm-hmm. Is this the first thing I would check? So if it's the same shape, same equipment, but we're changing sort of format, it's going to require some engineering work to be done. And, and that's something that people will have to uh, understand with the, you know, what's a budget. And, and then you have to validate the feasibility of and repeat, repeatability study, you know, once you run a new product. So you have to start, if it's innovative, you have to start all the way back from the bench, right. all the way to the packaging. And usually if you have a shelf life, and we'll say a shelf life of two months, so that means every trial you do, that takes you to two months shelf life. And I know that's something that a lot of people would thinking it takes way, way too much time and we need to shorten it. But in order to do it well, that's what it takes. And then once you validate it, then you have to work with marketing to create the new packaging. So mm-hmm. as a brand new inventive product, it's going to require more resources overall, more people involved into the product development concept. And and then at that point, there is no certainty as you enter the innovation or the, the invention territory that your product will be successful. So the risk of investing in product development becomes much higher. And and just just as a side note, when you look for you know product development, uh, most large manufacturers, and I'm taking the scope of all CPG brands, whether or not it's crackers or uh, or, or, or breads or any any new products or beverages launch usually takes between 
six months all the way to two years based on the complexity of the product. Uh, and, and you don't have a guarantee once right. you go into true innovation that it'll be successful. So that's why, you know, innovation is, is, is difficult to, to push forward and everybody's moving towards flavor extensions because it's much faster and the rate of success is much greater. How does um, trying to meet a, a claim or some gets, get in on some of those health trends make this even more complicated, like developing a keto-friendly bread or an allergen-free cake? Yeah, uh, well, and then we'll, we'll, stay, we'll stay on the theme of the, of the Twinkie, if that's okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, if, you, if you say now, you know, we, we are, R&D is being challenged with a allergen-free uh, Twinkie. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I mean, it's not using eggs. And doesn't mean you can't use, you know, flour. You can't. So that, that creates, from an R&D standpoint, on a larger scale, it creates the issues. Okay, now I'm making a claim. How can I do it? First of all, the first thing is, do we have the necessary ingredients available? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first thing I wish I would do in terms of R&D. And one of the first things I would do in that case, I would say, okay, can we afford it? Because yeah. I will build a formulation to say, okay, this is a standard formula. It costs you X. Now the new allergen-free, which is great because consumers want it, it costs you double in terms mm-hmm. of ingredients. Now I would pass it to the marketing and the corporate group and say, hey, can you justify that? And is there a way, you know, that increased in ingredient cost, can you sell for more? Is there, is there an added value benefit to having that on the market? And that's when, you know, uh, uh, to, to do some market research uh, where there's a lot, a lot of marketing work. But from an R&D standpoint, you know, for us, when you go like that, my first thought would be, okay, what is my, my throughput? Mm-hmm. Because manufacturers were, you know, it's, it's how many units you can make make per hour whether on a breads or cakes and if you go with something new you have to start thinking is this going to lower my throughput is this going to lower my my my, my per unit uh sellable my good sellable units because if you run a new products and especially in automated lines you know do you have any issues during when when your product goes through the transfer points when it's getting depends, do you have breakage through? Because that's something you have to measure as you scale it up. Mm-hmm. That's something that is very important. Let's say the formula works and the cost works. And then again, same as all products for R&D, I would say, what's my shelf life? And I would never, never push a product without understanding, you know, is this going to, how's, how's the product going to work in a, during the summertime, during the wintertime? And do I need to verify the consistency of my ingredients? Because as you're putting your brand name on the product and you're changing it, always in product development is to ensure that your product is always consistent, tastes good, and it's safe to eat for consumers out there, wherever wherever the product goes. Right, right. I honestly, I had no idea shelf life was such a major part of this entire process. And especially as you bring new, new novel ingredients within the equation or within the formulation. So what are some indicators that you can look to to figure out if a product's going to be successful or not successful? The the first for 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 me, 
uh, always, you know, you, you create a product and to all the product developers listening to, to the podcast, you know, people know it. It's, I always say it's, it's nothing personal. You can create a great product, make it on the bench. Uh, it doesn't work or nobody likes it. You know, I always say the first thing probably is not to, you know, take criticism uh, too personally. Uh, but in terms of every time we pushed for a product out, when we would run the first plan test, because mm-hmm. you have to, as you're scaling it up, you have to go. Uh, my gauge was always the people in the manufacturing facility, the, the, the line workers, the, mm-hmm. the, the hourly workers or temporary. And often when you first make your runs, I would give samples, allow for people to take it home. And I would get mm-hmm. feedback. And usually the, those feedback to me is a great indicator because if the employees working there are not supporting your product and not getting excited as much as the R&D group is excited, I'm, I feel you know skeptical about the success because yeah. if you people making the product are not liking the product, it's almost like going into a restaurant and everybody's selling a certain special, but the chef is going to eat food from another restaurant after when his shift is over. Yeah. That means, okay, there's something with, with there. So having, having the employees buy it is the number one thing uh, and the support and you know, supporting uh, and loving the new product. The other thing is, you know, if companies are larger, uh, you know, they do their market, their focus group and their uh, market research. Uh, and usually they can gauge, get an indicator, a solid indicator that, you know, they're getting at least 70%, you know, uh, probability of people buying the product, uh, buying intent. Uh, and I think if you have a product that, you know, showing indicator of, uh, of, of being a success, I think it's when, you know, it has to be calculated before too, to make sure that, you know, there's, there's no hidden issues such as costs will increase because all of a sudden as you're running longer, they realize they have to, you know, they have to either put more things or, or cool it longer or use more money. So as long as everything is planned that it works well from the shelf life standpoint, it's a, always a good indicator. Uh, that manufacturing facility likes running your product because if they if they struggle and if it becomes too challenging to run a product, it's not a good indicator. And having the employees like you know the the current uh, employees liking and supporting the product, those are good solid indicators. So Richard, as we're wrapping up our conversation today, what consumer trends do you see driving innovation lately? Well, I. Uh, to, today, today is is you know a lot of change. You know we've been uh, sort of confined uh, <laughs> within our yeah. homes uh, over over the last uh, year. Uh, a lot has changed, uh, and what I see in terms of what's driving innovation lately is the increase in consumers' health consciousness as really. Uh, driven a demand for products like whole wheat, multi-grain products, specialty bread products, mm-hmm. uh, uh, things like maybe that would be a different split uh, topping on the products, uh, sort of the better for you, less sugar uh, items or cakes, lower carbs, 
higher protein uh, and uh, quality quality cakes. I saw a, a company, you know, where they're going with frozen top-notch quality cakes with quality ingredients. Uh, and interestingly enough, too, I'm seeing a demand for specialty wheat. I think, you know, like more uh, unique wheat that you would see or different grains that bread's made with it, not, not just wheat. It could be uh, uh, sorghum, it could be barley, uh, it could be quinoa, uh, and, and fermentation, uh, uh, the sourdough breads. Uh, consumers are willing to spend more for local sourdough. And, and a big uh, a segment, as everybody's talking about, is protein. What do we put in protein? You know, where do you use your protein from? Either from hemp, uh, you're using protein. I've seen protein coming from coffee, protein from potatoes. So, and I think it's how do how do the bakers or the bakeries manufacturers today capture the quickly moving trends and put it into a bread format that will you know capture more growth for the years to come. Well, thank you, Richard, so much for your time today and being a guest on the show and offering us your insights as a product development expert. You're you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Scent Sliced Bread. If you'd like to join the conversation, leave us a voicemail at 816-968-7772. Or you can record a message using the Voice Memo app on your smartphone and email it to podcast at sozlin.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this season, ADM. Partner with ADM to discover a world of exciting, sustainable innovations for a better tomorrow. For more information on ADM's certified sustainable flower portfolio, visit adm.com wholesome. Don't forget to subscribe to Scent Slice Bread on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and drop us a review. Scent Slice Bread is a baking and snack podcast produced by Taryn Parker and hosted by Charlotte Atchley.